But it's good to have you here tonight. Of course, we celebrate Good Friday on Friday. Even though Jesus did not die on a Friday, this is traditionally how we remember it and celebrate it. And we have no problem with doing that. But we're going to be over in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew, the 26th chapter. We're going to be over at verse 47 to start. We're looking tonight at inspiration or temptation. This is a topic we haven't taken on in a number of years. But it's important for us to know this. And I'll tell you, every time I look at the the stories of Jesus that go about on the day that he was arrested, I always remember this because it is such a fine line between inspiration and temptation. And many people in the Word have not detected that. And they've been led into a place of temptation thinking it was inspiration. We want to help you to discern that here tonight. People have been tempted to do something great, something unique, something that's exciting. They think it's inspiration from God, but it's just a temptation to get outside the boundaries that God had set up for them. Boundaries for their calling, boundaries for their direction in their life, whatever it might be. In Matthew 26, Jesus had just finished the time of prayer in the garden with his disciples. And as he came to them and found them sleeping again, he exhorted them. But then he said to them, Come, let us be going. Our betrayer is at hand. Before he even got there, Jesus knew who was coming. And in 47, we pick up, And while he was still speaking, Behold, Jesus, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, sees him. Immediately he went to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands, on Jesus and took him. And suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. We know from another gospel that was Peter. But Jesus had said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. And then verse 53, Or do you think that I cannot pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? Would you rather have a couple of fishermen with a sword or 12 legions of angels with swords defending you? Verse 54, How then could the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled and all the disciples forsook him and fled. One of the things I see when I read this passage is that Jesus had options. He could have yielded or gone with the soldiers. That was one option. He could have resisted on his own. We saw that he knocked them all down with his words, with just the power of his words when he said, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus. And he said, I am he. And they all fell backwards. And again, he said, Whom do you seek? That's over in John, the 18th chapter. He knocked them all down with the power of his words. He could have resisted on his own. Third option, he could have, he speaks to this one, he could have called 12 legions of angels. 
That's about 78,000 to come in to rescue him. Now we saw that he took the first option. He went with them. He partially executed the second option and that he knocked them all down, but he let them all get back up again. And he could have done the third. He wouldn't have said that third option to his disciples if it was not an option to do. How that would work into the plan of God? I don't know. I think about that often when I come to that place and read it. If God's will for us, for him to go to the cross and he just had that time of prayer, not my will, whatever that might have been, but your will be done. If it was God's will for him to go to the cross, but Jesus, all he had to do was ask and they would have sent 12 legions of angels. Isn't that amazing? That always amazes me that that option was there. Tells us that there are options outside of the perfect will of God that God will even go along with. Well, let's go on here. We want to take a look at the difference between inspiration and temptation. Now, temptation... Let's give you a couple of examples from Scripture. I'm just going to rattle off a couple of them. Your mind will probably go in Scriptures and think of some others. But you remember that Saul was given options. Remember when Samuel was delayed for the sacrifice? He had options. He could have waited, continued to wait, and watched his men disperse. He took an option. They came to him. I know. I'll make the sacrifice myself. And as soon as he was done, Samuel came over. Well, we see that was a temptation. It wasn't an option inside the plan of God. Abraham, he had options. When he came down to the land, finally, that God had spoken to him of, Canaan, well, he uh, decided to head off for Egypt. That apparently wasn't a very good option, and it ended up being a temptation to take him out of the will of God. When God spoke to him and told him those four things we've been covering on Sunday morning, four things to do, we saw that he didn't do them. He took other options. They were temptations to keep him out of the will of God. David was given some options, but he did not kill Saul. You remember he came to him in the cave? Remember there were times, there were two times that he could have killed Saul. Had one of his men standing right there with a, with a sword. And you know, this is being spoken to him. Kill Saul now and it's all over. You'll be king. But he didn't take it. He stayed with what he knew the plan of God was. Peter had options. Remember when the men were sent to him and said, come, we want to hear what God has given you? He could have stayed. He could not have, he could have just said, no, I don't believe that this is of God. But he went. He believed that the dream that God gave him, or the, I'm sorry, the vision that God gave him with the sheet and all the four-footed animals on it, he believed that was from God and that believed that God was saying, go and preach to the Gentiles. And so he went and he preached to the Gentiles. Some of his own Jewish brethren didn't like that too much. But he obeyed God. You can keep on going. There's times that people have had options. Some of them are within the will of God. And some of them were not. The ones that are outside the will of God, we call these temptations. Options may come from God. But of course, temptations, they would come from one place would be the enemy, Satan's kingdom. Satan's going to give us temptations. He does that to Adam and Eve in the garden. They had the options of just doing what God said, but he came along and he gave them another, another option. 
try this tree. We can get options from other people. This is apart from Satan's kingdom and sometimes they even say things that are outside of the, what Satan wants to do. But other people sometimes can come to us and they'll speak some options to us and we have to learn to discern between what is a temptation and what is an option. Here's the third place we can get it from and this is ourselves. This is apart from other people and apart from Satan's kingdom. I can just come up with some options myself. These are options that I feel comfortable with. Abram, when he had the option to go to Egypt, I don't know that the Satan tempted him or whether he just came up with that idea on his own. Or maybe some people that were around him said, hey, Egypt has food. Whatever it was, the three places that we can get options from would be Satan's kingdom, other people, and ourselves. Now, if it is from the enemy, we need to deal with it. If you take authority over the enemy when he is not behind the temptation, you won't yield the results that you want. Sometimes I blame things on Satan and it's just me who came up with that option. You can take authority all day long over Satan. If you're the one who came up with that option, you got to wrestle with your own flesh. If it's other people that are speaking things to you, it may be apart from the kingdom of Satan. He might have a hand in it. He might not. When Jesus combated temptation, we see that he used two things. The word of God and his authority. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3, this is a story of Jesus when he was tempted. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the tempter came and gave him an option. Turn these stones into bread. And he came after it with the word. He didn't let it just sit there. That was an option. But he saw it as a temptation, not inspiration from God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. He saw this as not an option within the will of God, but this is an option to take him out of the will of God, and he came against it with the word. In Matthew 16, 23, this is when Peter came to him, and Peter had some ideas. Don't be teaching this way. Don't be talking about your death, and burial, and resurrection. And so he, he didn't quote the word of Peter. What he did was he took authority over him. <clears throat> but he turned and said to Peter, said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. In Matthew chapter 4 again, going back to verse 8, Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Now this tells us the first off Satan has these things because Jesus would have known if he didn't. So it would not have been a temptation if he didn't have them. And Jesus came and one of the things he was going to do was to take this back from Satan. And the devil's given him an easy way out. 
You don't got to do the cross. You don't got to do any of these other things. Here's an easy way. I'll give it to you. You just bow down and worship. All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Now, that's not all he came for. That's some. That would only be a partial fulfillment. But he would eventually lose all of it if he gave in. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. So there he used his authority and got into the word. He spoke right to him. Away with you. <laughs> Took authority over him, but then he also used the word of God. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Don't let temptations just flutter around in your mind. You got to speak the word to them, or you got to take authority over them. One or the other. The only two ways we see that Jesus dealt with, with these things was to either speak the word to them or to take authority over them. You have authority in this world. You can use it. We have the Word of God. We need to use it. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the peace of God will be with you. These are the things we need to be thinking on, not the inspiration that comes from Satan's kingdom. We don't want to go after those things. We want to be staying with the things that God tells us to speak on. God tells us to think on. This is what should be coming out of our mouth. This is what should be going around in our head. And if they're not, take authority over them. Speak the word to them. Don't let them just dangle in there. James chapter 1 verse 26 says this, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, his this one's religion is useless. You see, what you have on the inside of you ought to control that mouth of yours. If it doesn't control that mouth, it's not doing you any good. If we're going to control the mouth, we also got to control the thoughts. Because the mouth speaks what the mind is thinking. That was James 1.26. Now, not all passions in us are of Him. There are some things we can become very passionate for, but God's not behind it. James chapter 4, verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Did they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? He's speaking to believers here, not unbelievers. We as believers can have passions that are wrong. And if we follow those wrong passions, we will go in a wrong direction. I've got to learn the difference between temptation and inspiration. Because I'll tell you what, the difference is very, very slight. How can you tell the difference between what is inspiration from God and what is a temptation from the devil when the devil is such a good deceiver. So much so that even Adam fell. Adam did not see that that the temptation to eat of the tree was not inspiration to become something better. Saul did not see that the temptation to offer the sacrifice was a temptation to lose the very calling that God put on him. But David did. David saw, no, I can't lay my hand on God's anointed. And he even said it this way one time in the story. He says, look, either he's going to fall in battle or he's going to die some other way. But I'm not doing it. <laughs> it's for God to take care of. And he understood, that's not in my scope. God may have called me to be king, but he did not call me to remove the previous one. He put him in place. It's up to him to take him out. And he let him do that. 
Let's take a look at inspiration a little bit. In 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20, I'm not going to read that for you, but Paul is talking about Hymaeus and Alexander, whom he delivered to Satan, that they may, be le- they may learn not to blaspheme. They had good faith, but they rejected the good faith. And as Paul put it, they suffered shipwreck. Others did too. He specifically mentioned those. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15 through 26. 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 26. I'm going to read this for you. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past. And they overthrow the faith of some. Now here's what they did. They had been teaching some things in the Word of God that were right. They were on Paul's team. But then all of a sudden, inspiration came to them. And that's how they saw it. And in this inspiration, they saw that the resurrection is already past. They tied this in with some scriptures and they began to teach it. Now Paul probably came up and and showed them that's not true. And they probably had some debate about these things whether they were true or whether or not. But they decided to follow this way because they saw it as inspiration. They saw it as revelation from God. They had a revelation that was higher than Paul's. They had an understanding that was greater than the people around them. And so they continued to preach this even though the very people who trained them up were telling them this is wrong. This is not the way to go. And they gave in to temptation and they went into a wrong way. They could have had very promising promise. Uh, promise promising callings. God may have put a great deal of responsibility on them and had some things waiting for them ahead, but they got derailed. They went the wrong way. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, If anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, and with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. You see, when Satan sends you his inspiration, God calls it temptation. But when we hang on to it, we are taken captive to do the will of Satan instead of the will of God. But here's what happens. Those people who were once believers, those people who were once following after God, they take inspiration from the the enemy. They feel it's inspiration from God and you cannot take them off that path. They still feel they are doing God's will, doing God's work, and doing what God wants. They're resistant to anyone telling them anything different. They actually get prideful about their revelation and what they have. And they have been taken captive by the devil. And they are doing His will. Still thinking they're operating under inspiration. 
Not all temptation takes the form of evil. Satan came as a serpent. He didn't necessarily look evil. He didn't look like some something scary that they had to run from. Temptation may come in the form of inspiration. Satan's temptation of Jesus. He's trying to inspire him to accomplish the will of God by another main, another means. Here's revelation. Here's understanding you had before. Did you know you could accomplish God's purpose by doing this? Hymenaeus and Philetus were going along fine with the Word of God, but all of a sudden they got an inspiration, a revelation, an idea. They grabbed hold of it and they pursued it. And then they were teaching false doctrine. How about those who told the Thessalonians that they were in the tribulation, that Paul had to write a letter. You're not in the tribulation. The tribulation cannot happen until Antichrist appears. Tribulation cannot happen until the church is removed. He told that to them. But someone had come along, they had a higher revelation. They got inspired. And they began to teach people, Paul was wrong. You're in the tribulation. You're in the end times right now. And people believed them. People became afraid because people followed this inspiration. And by those who led the Galatian saints astray, after Paul left Galatia, people came in and said, look, Paul didn't give you the whole message. Here's the rest of it. You need to do the law. Righteousness comes by the law. Paul left this part out, but this is important. You need to do this. And so the Galatians, according to Paul, when he wrote them, he says, I am amazed at how quickly you left the gospel. And in the Greek, it's really clear how he says this. You left the gospel that's, that is one type of a gospel for a gospel that is completely different. Not even in the same ballpark. And this is what they did. They went after a gospel of works, a gospel of law. And Paul had preached them a gospel of grace. He said, I didn't teach you all that law stuff because you didn't need it. We have, God has given us a better way, a better covenant. And they're bringing you back into the old. See, they had inspiration. We can have all that Paul says, all the things that Paul told us about, but we can still do the law. That was their inspiration. And it had them following a wrong path and going in the wrong direction. As we mature and grow, more options are going to become visible. The more mature you become, the more you can see I have more options than just one. I can have, uh, as one verse of Scripture puts it, there's the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. There's different stages of it all. The higher you go in the leadership of the body of Christ, the more revelation you get, the more options you'll be able to see. But you're going to also see that only few of those options are beneficial to the kingdom. Some of those options are more beneficial to me some of those options are more beneficial for the kingdom. And you're going to find yourself as you mature, you choose those options that are more beneficial for the kingdom. Kind of like how it was when we were parents. Or if you are parents right now. You have all kinds of things you can see now that you didn't see when you didn't have kids. There's a lot more options out there. Some of those options benefit you. Some of those options benefit the whole family. And some of those options benefit the children and you as a parent you jump in and you want to do those things 
that benefit others, not just yourself. When you're single and it's just you, you can pick options to just benefit you. But when you got other people dependent on you, you go after finding options that benefit all. What do we think of, of parents who choose options that benefit themselves and leave their kids wanting? I don't think very highly of that. But the more you grow in the body of Christ, the more you're going to see you have options. Some of those options will benefit you. But some of those things, you need to lay some of it down. Father, I could do this. It would benefit me. But it is better if I lay this down and if I pursue the things that benefit your kingdom. When Jesus came into the garden, he had some options. One of these options would benefit him. If he called 12,000 12 legions of angels, 78,000 angels to come down and deliver him. That would benefit him, but it wouldn't benefit the kingdom. If he knocked them all down and didn't let them get up, he would still be on the earth. We could still accomplish the purpose later on. But that did have the benefit for the kingdom. No, the thing that benefited the kingdom was for him to lay down his power that he had there on this earth, the authority that he had, and to go with them willingly, like a lamb to the slaughter. Because this benefited the Father, this benefited the kingdom, this benefited us. And it was the option that he chose. There's a temptation for all of us to take options that have greater benefit for us, not as much for other people. But I have to learn how to take a look at those ideas that come up on the inside of me. To discern first off, is that inspiration? Or is that temptation? Is that something trying to get me out of the land of Canaan and into the land of Egypt? Is that something like Lot had to try and get me away from the things that caused me to be blessed in the first place? Options? Or is this an option that's going to help the kingdom of God? Abraham, when he was in the land of Canaan, he had a lot of money. He had a lot of riches, possessions. But one of the things that he never did, he never bought a house. He lived in a tent. The richest, one of the richest men in the area lived in a tent. He had the funds, probably could have bought one of the bigger palaces in the area. Would have been a whole lot better to guard and protect all the things that he had. But you see, God told him, you're going to be a sojourner in this land. And he stayed that way. He kept moving his tent. Sitting it up here and sitting it up there. Never bought a house. Never bought a home. Never built a great house. He's a great man. He should have a great house. I wonder if he would ever face that temptation. Abraham, you're a great man. You need a great house. People want to see you as a great man. They need to see you have a great house. Look at the houses of the kings. They all have great houses. What's Abraham got? Got tent. If that was so, he sure didn't give in to it, did he? He stayed away from that temptation. As you grow, you're going to see more options. But less of those options that you see are beneficial for the kingdom. And your discernment is necessary. Not all illumination is enlightening. 
Some can bring you into bondage. Some can bring you into a, a bad place. Some can take you out of the will of God, take you out of the calling that God had. Don't let, don't let Satan be able to do that. Don't let other people be able to do that. And certainly don't let yourself be the source of one who gives inspiration of what you can do. Just know this, just because you are born again, spirit-filled, serving the, the greatest God there is. There is no God like our God. That doesn't mean that you cannot be inspired for wrong ideas. If Satan was created in perfection and all the glory that he had around him and all the beauty that was there, if he could be inspired to rebel. I got to know inspiration can come to me too. It's not inspiration from God. It's temptation that's masked as inspiration. But the more mature we get, we can, we can meditate on those things. We can figure it out. No, you know what? Turning stones into bread sounds innocent, but I know what this is. Satan, you're trying to get me to follow your leading instead of the leading of the Spirit of God. And I'm not going to do it. I'm going to follow his leading. And so he didn't do it. Because you would say, well, what's the big deal? Just turn him into bread, eat something. Fasting time is over. But you see, he's yielding to the wrong voice. And he led his life to only yield to the Father's voice. Remember the words he said? I only say what I heard the Father say. I only do what I saw the Father do. See, he didn't see the Father turn stones into bread. So he didn't do it. It seemed like a small thing. How can that be wrong? If it was okay to turn water into wine, why is it so wrong to turn stones into bread? But he saw, because of the Spirit of God that was in him, because of the light he operated in, that is wrong light, that is temptation, it is not inspiration. And so he used the Word of God against it, and he didn't go. You see, some illumination that will come to you will actually bring you into bondage, not into light. It'll make you become bondage to Satan and his kingdom. And as Paul wrote, you're going to begin to do his will and not the will of the Father. Know the difference between inspiration of God and temptation of the devil other people or temptation from my own flesh. They will mask themselves as inspiration. They will appear to bring you light, to take you to a better place. But if you follow them, just as Abraham had that inspiration, no food here, I'm going to go to Egypt. And it was bad. It brought problems for him. Don't follow the light of the temptation. Stay with the light that comes from the Word of God as it illuminates our path. Well, Father, I thank you for your Word. Jesus is such a great example for us. As he was in the garden, and he discussed with the Father, not my will, but your will.
He had a will that was different from God's. But even beyond that, there were three options he could have chose. And the power of God was with him. He couldn't have called the legions of angels if you wouldn't have sent them. He couldn't have spoken the words, I am he, and to have them all fall down if your power wasn't behind his words. He had options. But he understood which way he had to go. Father, I pray for each person listening here. As we think about the example of Jesus on that day when he faced the crucifixion, when he faced temptation to go a different direction. And we follow his example. We stay with the illumination that comes from the Spirit of God. We don't come come after the temptation that comes from any other source. Greater people than we have heard false illumination and listened and gone in the wrong direction. Father, I have to know it is possible for me to follow after wrong illumination. But oh, to stay with what you told us it will lead us into a good place, into a great place. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. Well, we appreciate you all joining us here. It is sure a whole lot better when you all are are here, and we're going to miss the part where we all hang out. <clears throat> excuse me, hang out and chat with each other for a while. So we'll have to be doing that in the the times to come. But we're glad that you were able to join us here on Facebook. If you see other people up there on Facebook, throw some comments their way. At least that's sort of like talking after church. But we will, um, as we announced before, we will be foregoing our Resurrection Sunday service schedule for this Sunday. We will put that off. Right now we're going to put it off until uh, the May. If everything opens up the way that they're saying, things are going to do and uh, everybody is back on the roads and back on their jobs and so forth by the beginning of May. We're going to have the first Sunday of uh, May just be a, a regular Sunday. Come in at 10 o'clock and we'll fellowship afterwards and do some, do some things that way. But the, the second Sunday that we're all together, that's going to be our Resurrection Sunday. And we're going to follow our Resurrection Sunday schedule and do our sunrise service, followed by our breakfast, and then go with our, our regular service at 9.30, the way that we usually do on Resurrection Sunday. Some of you may be having your uh, family get-togethers on that day as well. I believe that we are, are planning that for a family that we won't be seeing this Sunday. But uh, that's, our, that's our plan right now. We'll keep you updated on that as, as things go. And I know most of you are uh, staying at home and not liking that a whole lot. But we appreciate you joining here with us tonight. And we will be back on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Again, it's, we're not following the Resurrection Sunday schedule. We're following the, uh, the, the normal schedule, 10 o'clock. And as I sent out to you in the text message, uh, make sure that if you want the things that I mentioned to you in the text to um, send me the uh, email address so I can uh, mail those to you. Send them out to you. All right. Have a good rest of your night. Thanks again for joining us. God bless you.